0: Howdy gamers, it's Layton here from Layton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to, in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry. But just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini sods every week, we do some fun videos. Uh, You get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there So without any further ado here is the audio version of this episode So if you want to do the video version you can go to patreon.com slash night or not Really whatever floats your boat Anyway Episode
1: So John Worcester, who is the drummer for Super Chunk and the Mountain Goats and other things, I think he's doing stuff with Bob Mould right now, is also Tom Sharpling's comedy partner. And he has an amazing Instagram account where he posts very gross things that people send him in terms of extremely inappropriate double entendres. And it's just worth checking out. I'm real raspy today. I don't know why.
0: That makes for good podcasting. I just constantly wish that without doing permanent damage to my body that I could add, like, you know, three cartons of cigarettes a day onto my voice. You want to wait
1: it? <laughs> yeah, I want to wait it. wait suffocation. <laughs> At John Worster. J-O-N-W-U-R-S-T-E-R. Worth following.
2: So, like, John Bratworster.
1: Yes, exactly. The reason this came up is because I texted these guys yesterday a picture of a dude in a hat that says, sex with you sucks, and... <laughs> That's a good hat.
2: One of my favorite Instagrams, it's Cole Sprouse, and it's called Camera Duels.
0: I was just trying to remember what the name of that account was. Yeah.
2: I don't know this one. It's Cole Sprouse, and basically he's out in like public. And he, there's people who I think he believes most likely are like taking pictures of him. They're like mm-hmm. trying to be like secretive about it. They're like, you know, <laughs> doing the scan.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> that bullshit.
0: Who is this guy?
2: Cole Sprouse.
0: Oh I don't know who that is. He's my birthday buddy. Dylan and Cole Sprouse kind of rose to fame on the sweet life of Zack and Cody, being the titular Zack and Cody. Oh,
1: it's Zack and Cody. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And so what does he do? He takes pictures of people taking pictures of him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And he writes these like very long, in depth stories about like their character and like builds this like whole script about the possibility
0: of
1: what they were doing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Like Rigs of Dad kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Brian, you took the words out of my mouth because I was just about to bring up Rigs of Dad, the only
1: good Instagram account. <laughs> it is the best. Oh, I discovered that when we were touring Australia, and we were just sitting in the van, going to various places and just reading out loud the captions from Rigs of Dad. Oh, <laughs> So fucking funny.
0: Brian, will you explain to listeners what Rigs of Dad is? Yeah, so
1: Rigs of Dad is an account where I don't know the name of the person behind it. He gets pictures of dad-looking people playing guitars and or bass, usually like out-of-shape middle-aged white guys. And they're playing some usually top-end gear and in deeply uncool settings. And the guy writes these captions as if all of the people are in the fictional Pudgemont County and playing (laughs) bar gigs, usually mid-afternoon on a weekday. And it's full of really tortured puns in a good way. A lot of them are like these elaborate setups for one or two jokes, and it is so funny. Basically, the guy adopts the persona of someone who is in awe of the musical ability of all of these musicians. It's very, very funny. And it might sound a little mean-spirited from what I'm saying, and it is maybe like 5%, but you guys wouldn't call it mean-spirited, right? Maybe like a little bit.
2: No, but it's funny.
1: The problem is the real people, right? These are clearly pictures of real people. He's not attacking those people. He's using them as avatars for fictional people. You could easily say that this is indefensible and makes him a bad person. However, it is really, really funny, and his (laughs) puns are... Great. It's the kind of account you might see the word guitar-mageddon used frequently.
0: Yeah. Brian, would you give us like a read of one of those
1: captions? Yes, I can absolutely do that. These pictures are bananas. The shirt that just says, no Huey, no news, no thanks. I wore that for (laughs) NSP's acoustic show.
2: I remember this. Really?
1: Yeah, because Jim Roach gave it to me as a Christmas present. And I was like, well, I got to wear that.
2: This is where he got it from, is the Rigs of Dad account?
1: yeah. Wow. Alright, so this is from a post July twenty fifth, twenty nineteen. You feel that chill down your spine? That's your eyes speaking to your heart, describing the tonal devotion and low ended emotion that my bud Grant Weaver here is pumping out. There are things you just can't learn in school, and there are some things best taught from the stage. Grant just dropped a textbook worth of tone unto me this afternoon at Lunchie's patio, and I feel forever in debt to him as a result. And I would be honored to take the denim dive into the snug embrace of his pocket for the rest of my days. Before he found the confidence to free his riff rifles from the bounds of sleeves, the majority of his curl work <laughs> went into the hair salon he owned over on South Palisco Parkway, Perm Mission, colon, granted. He had a small falling out with the landlord after he bet the business license on Tush Pusher winning last year's Battle of the Bands. The business closed a week after Poon Raft and Company took the trophy, he fell back into teaching follextree at the University of DeVry, Pudgemont, and is spending every minute of the summer focused on professional gigging. Swapping out the penny loafers for the open tophers, <laughs> he's taking a stand against empty stages by bringing an empty stand and burning through the pages of riffs written by some of Song's greatest scribes. He's like a modern-day Socrates, preaching some four-string philosophy, pounding some rolling rock instead of hemlock and offering open enrollment to a band that is more class than any school in the area. And Grant's not the only one catching a breeze on the bunions, because his prowess knocked my socks off as well. His band, Weaver Merely Freshman, a tribute to the Verve Pipe, is something that must be seen, heard, and sucked down like cold beer on a hot day. For the life of me, I cannot think of a band that more deserves to be feasted upon by years, with a taste for tone, a hunger for wholeheartedness, and a longing for low ended love pushed out from a palace of peavy and a castle of carven. One love, job bless. Hashtag rigs of dad, hashtag tone zone, hashtag tone it up, hashtag tone porn, hashtag pornogirfy, which is like pornography, pornogirfy, that's it, and hashtag tone temple.
0: I've completely stolen hashtag tone zone from rigs of dad. Oh yeah! If I'm playing music, I'm heading one-way ticket to the tone zone, baby.
1: <laughs> one caption from a couple years ago described an escape from Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the word "tone" gets used more there than anywhere else. It's so great. Twerp and I frequently text about tone.
2: Castle of Carvin. Palace of PV.
1: Palace of PV and a castle of Carvin.
2: PV and Carvin are like the two brands that you would see in your dad's gym that you also jam in. <laughs> I have an amp at home. <laughs> I only reference this because with my high school band, with my best friends, my best friend Gino's dad, he had like a half gym slash where we would play music. And the two uh-huh. amps that he had were like Carvin and PV.
1: That's awesome. My first amp was a PV a little keyboard amp. Love it. I love the idea of a home gym slash jam studio. (laughs) It's a jam gym. Yeah, a jam gym. Yeah, it's a jamnasium.
0: (laughs) Oh.
1: Ooh, yeah. We should be
0: writing the Rigs of Dad captions. Yes, we should. I want to resurrect an old segment that we have a theme song for that we've maybe used once. Mm -hmm. Um, What's everybody gamer fueling on?
2: Oh, fuck yeah.
0: Gamer fuel! GAME refuel! PUT IT INSIDE YOUR BODY AND PLAY
2: some GAMES! I've got three options right here. Oh shit. I've got this smoothie, I've got some water, and I've got some room temperature coffee that's been sitting here since this morning.
0: I need you to elaborate on what's inside of the smoothie.
2: Two-day-old pear that's been hanging out in my refrigerator.
1: <laughs> You refrigerate your pears? Yeah. That's what it
2: said on the fucking packaging at Costco. So you should refrigerate your pears.
1: Yeah, dog. Really? Refrigerate your pears.
2: Yeah. Do you not?
1: No, I don't. Is it a Bosque or a Danjou?
2: What is the difference?
1: Bosque is like darker and kind of tapers more towards the top. And the Danjou are like lighter green and kind of chubbier.
2: I say the first one, the Bosque.
1: Good. Good choice.
2: And then some frozen passion fruit and some oat milk. Ooh. Nice. What are you guys gamer feeling, on?
1: I also
0: have three beverages that are similar. Mm. Water, lukewarm melted iced coffee, naked green machine juice. Damn, Layton. Wow. I've been trying all the different naked flavors because i had never gotten into them and my nutrition is very bad. And I was like, well, I should probably stop shooting coffee into my eyeballs every single day. And it turns out the green one is really fucking good. Uh, Naked, please sponsor us. You see the green one and you don't want to get it because you're like, ah, it's going to be like healthy. It's the sweetest one. What's in it? Apple, mango, pineapple, banana, kiwi. There's no kale? Well, there is. There's alfalfa, broccoli, spinach, ginger, kale, parsley. Okay, there
1: we fucking go.
0: You don't taste it. It's just in the color.
1: I hate green juices. I can't do them. I hate them a lot. Rachel loves them. If I had my eyes closed, I wouldn't be able to tell you that this
0: was a green juice.
1: Well, I, too, have three options and share much in common with both of you. I have a water and a real good touring mug. I have a, maybe a third of a can of Kroger brand seltzer and lukewarm coffee in a thermos.
0: Oh, yeah. Hey. Yep. And that was our Gamer Fuel segment. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Before we hopped on, I was looking at more feet facts.
1: Oh, okay. Well, this is a new segment, guys, we have in the show. Jarek's Feet Facts. Jarek's Feet Facts. Jarek's Feet Facts. Jarek's Feet Facts. Jarek's Feet Facts.
2: The funniest one that I came across was that your feet can grow up to half size later in the day.
1: Because of, like, water? Or whatever.
2: It's saying because humidity raises your body temperature, so the blood vessels dilate to improve circulation, which causes swelling in your legs, hands, arms, and feet, and obviously the blood flow increases to these parts, mm-hmm. and they're saying that you should try on your shoes at 3 p.m.
1: Oh, that's interesting, because that's maximum foot. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost 3 p.m. It's true. It is almost 3 p.m. It's very interesting.
0: I guess we all are foot growers and not foot showers.
1: (laughs) Should we, from now on, okay, petition to rename 3 p.m. Foot O'Clock?
0: Yes, 100%.
1: Right? It's Foot O'Clock.
0: It's Foot O'Clock somewhere.
1: Yeah, if you're thinking about having that shoe, it's Foot O'Clock somewhere.
0: We're off to excellent start here.
2: (laughs) So do you think like Journeys and Shoe Palace, the shoes that they sell in between noon or 11 a.m. between 3 p.m., do you think all those shoes get frequently returned because they say they're too small now?
1: That's a good question. Now, okay, this is just science. If we tracked (laughs) shoe sales based on time and returns, that is a very interesting question, Jarek, and we probably not too hard to get data on, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: all you have to do is walk into a shoe store and be like, hey guys, did did any beautiful women return their shoes yesterday? Can I look at them for science?
1: Can I have them? Do you have any pictures of what their feet look like (laughs) when they were in the store (laughs) and when they returned their shoes? Can I get access to your data, all your foot data? (laughs) And follow-up question, if you don't have that data, can I sit here and collect it for you? (laughs) And I promise... To turn it over for science so you can do your own market research. I mean, that's a win-win. That is a win-win.
0: Our fleet of feet census takers.
1: Yes.
2: This is totally a Nathan for you plot. And having shoe stores only open at like 2.30 till like (laughs) 6.
0: Find out your real shoe size.
1: Yes, that is a very Nathan for you thing.
2: But they said if you're buying running shoes and you exclusively run in the morning, then you should buy running shoes in the morning. Because if you're only going to wear those running shoes in the morning, then your feet will be at said size.
1: I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Leighton, have you ever been on a run (laughs) as an adult?
0: That's a really mean and evil question to ask me, Brian. No. You know,
1: not everybody has. No. Why would I go for a run? That's what I thought. You didn't seem like the runner type. Do you run?
0: Are you using this as an end to flex that like, ooh, look at me, I'm Brian, I can run? I
1: mean, I did run in high school and then occasionally like for exercise after that, but not a lot. I'm not trying to brag or anything. It's not like I go for regular runs unless you count every day because I run about 10 miles a day, but I'm not bragging, but I do run a lot for exercise.
0: Well, hey, everybody listening. This feels like an appropriate amount of oh time. God. I was just to about to say
2: uh,
1: Yeah
0: introduce this
1: show. Yep.
0: Hi. You're listening to Late Night with Brian Wecht. That one's Brian.
1: What's up? And we have
0: You're not gonna acknowledge me in this.
1: Well, normally I started, so I got confused. Okay, that's Leighton. That just threw some sass at me. That's what I do. Do you wanna say your thing?
0: No, no, no. I started it, so you should say the thing.
1: For the first time. Yeah. I don't think you've ever said it. I guess not. Mystery guest. Tell us who you are.
2: Hey guys, this is Jarek, and I have a fat booger in my nose that I need to pick right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, this is our our producer, Jarek Santano. There we go. Jarek is our producer, and it's been what was the last time we did an episode? All just the three of us. I guess the weed episode. Oh yeah. Nah. And that was March? That was about six years ago. (laughs) And of course, we had a special guest then, Lord Phobos, jumped on, which was very exciting. But uh, it's been a real long time since it's just been the three of us for a full episode.
2: I'm thinking that we should keep this bit going as long as possible, Leighton, that I've never met you in real life.
1: It's only
0: for bit purposes. (laughs) Just 10 years down the line, it's like, hey, (laughs) Jarek.
1: I don't know how tall you are in relation to me. Like This is still true, though. You guys have not actually been in the same physical space. Is that right?
2: No. I don't think we ever should. Those would be great comedy purposes.
0: Yeah. I also think there would be too much energy in the same room,
1: you know? Yeah. Too much Zoomer energy. Is Jarek a Zoomer?
2: No, I'm a millennial.
1: Wait, how old are you, Jarek?
2: I'm 26. I was born in 95. I was born on 69, 95.
1: That's millennial? Correct. Oh.
2: You know, I technically have the same birthday as NSP Switter. June 9th? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. All right. Well, every time I learn a birthday, I have to write it on my calendar, so hold on. Jarek, <laughs> I totally thought you were older. Really? How old did you think I was?
0: I don't know. Like 30? 29? <laughs> <laughs>
2: They look that old. Oh, man.
0: Well, I only see you through a webcam. And your position is so far away from the camera. This is the only way I've ever seen you, Jared. (laughs) But
1: this is interesting because you guys are only two years apart in age. And yet, Leighton, you are avowedly a Zoomer, right? Well, yeah, because 97 is the cutoff. But there's no real cutoff. Uh, Sure. And, Jarek, you consider yourself definitely a millennial? Correct. That's very interesting to me because that's a close enough difference, yet you guys are both very sure of it. I think that's maybe unusual.
2: How do they even, like, come up with the names for generations like Gen X, Gen Z, Millennials, Baby
1: Boomers? This random thing where someone says it and then it catches on. Like, there's no official board, right? But Gen X, is that a Marshall McLuhan thing that was Gen X? I feel like it might be. It might have been. So after that was Millennials, which I don't know who coined that, but it's obvious why. And then, because some people called millennials also Gen Y, then people started saying Gen Z, but that stuck, then people called them Zoomers because of the Z. Oh.
0: I'm assuming that like this generation delineation or whatever, it's very uniquely American, right?
1: Or at least English language.
0: Yeah, it just feels really, really specific to America.
1: I feel like partly it comes with rich countries. I feel like countries that have less money, don't really care about what generation everybody is as much because people have actual problems.
0: Yeah, because it's also like the generations are like, this generation survived this war and then they had to deal with this shit and like all of these things that are actually like big cultural signifiers and not like,
1: I can't afford a house and I like
0: avocados.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because for example, like boomers are a big World War II of course, phenomenon. But if you were a country that didn't fight in World War II, do you give a single shit about that? Most countries on Earth were not involved directly in World War II, so.
0: Sure, but smaller is not the right word, but I mean, like, any conflict that is not World War II is kind of a, quote-unquote, smaller conflict. But, like, my What's Poppin is Soviet Union-related, and, like, they just had to go through so much shit repeatedly. Yes. I will talk about this later. I guess I'm just really hopped up on my, like, Russian literature shit right now. But just the pervasive, increasing dread that you can track throughout Russian literature where it just gets darker and darker and darker.
1: Yes. And music, too. Yes. Yeah. A lot of Russian classical music, which is the stuff I know that's older than whatever, 20 years or something. It's this weird mix of dark but kind of circusy. You know what I mean? Like, the orchestration is very bright in a lot of cases. That's why I like it. I I love early 20th century Russian music fucking rules. And there's just tons of great stuff. But you can feel the angst, I guess, in a lot of it, and the fighting against that. Yeah. But, Jarek, I wanted to talk about on the show, you just had a cool music thing happen that we were kind of talking about the other day. Can you talk about the Shang-Chi stuff?
2: Oh, sure, yeah. So... I assist this composer, Joel P. West, who scored uh, Marvel, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I worked on the musical score for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings.
1: Isn't that awesome? Whoa. And you're in the credits of the film. Yeah. Fucking rad.
2: I am credited as scoring coordinator.
1: (laughs) I love that. Fuck
0: yeah.
2: So if you stay long enough in the, the credits, like five minutes in, because music is always last, you'll see my little name up there.
1: That's so rad. Oh, hell yeah.
2: That process, it's not like it started like six months ago or like two months ago. That was like probably a year and a half to two years worth of Joel scoring this giant movie. So cool. His score is incredible, man. He's been working with this director, Destin Daniel Cretton, for like almost over a decade now. And their first couple movies were called like I'm Not a Hipster and Short Term 12, which was like a big like indie breakthrough, which had like Brie Larson and Rami Malek.
1: I always say Rami Malek, but I'm not sure, yeah.
2: Who else do they have? Lakeith Stanfield. What? Caitlin Denver. All these like crazy heavy hitters now. They always work with like Brie Larson basically now. So they did The Glass Castle, which also had Brie Larson and Woody Harrelson. And then this movie, Just Mercy, who is about Brian Stevenson's life and career as a lawyer. And so now here they are doing fucking Marvel movies. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's cool because their palette is so nuanced and like very like heartfelt and very detailed but they can also do this like giant vast like huge movie production huge score you know giant orchestration whereas like their earlier stuff was very like you know simple and like very Mm heartfelt but yeah it was cool we did it throughout i mean still the pandemic but we did it throughout that and they were filming in australia so Joel Joel's going like back and forth. He's like, all right, I got to do this, like overnight, and shit like that. Oh, my God. But yeah, it's a great movie. You should watch it because there are probably only like two or three white people in the whole movie.
1: Just like this call. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry.
0: <laughs> you love to see it, especially for a Marvel movie.
2: Absolutely. It's nice to see people who look like people I've grown up with all my life. Or that I know.
1: That's so great.
2: Yeah. It's weird, too, because I have friends like all over the States being like, hey, I fucking saw your
1: name in this. Aw. Without knowing that you were in it, they were just watching the credits and saw your name?
2: I think they knew because I posted about it. And I have friends out in the UK who did it, too. I'm like,
1: <laughs> cool. That's awesome.
0: Gosh. Yeah. Do you guys stay
1: for the credits? Always. The only time I won't is when I take Audrey to a movie, which I obviously haven't done in a while. But when you're with a kid, when that thing's done, get the fuck out because you don't know when a bomb's about to go off. Like if the kid's going to explode, you got to get him out of the theater. Now she's old enough where it wouldn't really be a problem. But when she was like, you know, four and I took her to a theater, by that point she was making it through a movie, but I wouldn't ask her to sit through the credits. That's just asking for trouble. But if I'm alone or with Rachel, then for sure, always.
0: Yeah, I guess if the movie sucks, I will not stay.
2: Yeah. I generally don't stay for the credits. Only if I like worked on it or no, so I worked on it. I remember there was one movie that I did with Jimmy Laval where I was his assistant and like score mixed for him and I didn't get credited in it. Oh. But the fucking LAPD got credited instead. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. What did the police get credited for? Just like a special thanks? Probably. Special thanks for being rad dudes.
2: We support our men and women in blue.
1: I am at an age now where I want to see the credits specifically just to see if I have friends who have worked on the film. I look at the cast and the musicians and, you know, it doesn't happen like a lot, but every once in a while I'll be like, oh my God, this person I know did this on the music or, I mean, usually if they're in the movie, you can see that they're in the movie if they're an actor, but... I love looking at the music credits just to see, you know, what the incidental music was. Often you'll see Steve Bartek from Oingo Boingo doing a lot of orchestrations. So I always look for Bartek. It's interesting seeing the musicians' names since they get these like studio session guys that have been playing forever a lot of the time. And sometimes you'll see some names you recognize.
0: Yeah. I only stay to the very, very end just so I can have confirmation that yes, animals were harmed in the making of this
1: production. Mm-hmm.
0: That's an automatic pass fail for me. So if there were none harmed, it's a
1: one star. And if not, that's why you always carry <laughs> carry a rat in your pocket that you can just snap in half at the end and be like, see, <laughs> told you.
0: You know me, I'm always running around
1: rat snapping. <laughs> rat snapping. Rat snappers twenty twenty-two.
2: We watched Shang-Chi at the Chinese theater. And it was cool because Destin Dan Daniel Critton showed up. Simu Liu, who is Shang-Chi. The woman who plays Shang-Chi's sister, Meng Er Zhang. Correct me if I'm wrong. And fucking Kevin Feige all like, came out. Whoa. I was talking to Brian about this, but why does Kevin Feige always look like the daddest dad in the world? Big dad energy. Blue jeans, polo shirt. Not even like a long-sleeved, nice shirt. Polo shirt.
1: And not like cool jeans either. Like distinctly not cool jeans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's get him on Rigs of Dad. I want a Rigs of Dad for him. Yeah. I love that I look up an image and one of the first headlines is Marvel's Kevin Feige breaks silence on Martin Scorsese attack. (laughs) Exclusive.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting. (sighs) See, there are the two poles of dressing well, and it's Kevin Feige and Paul Feig. And their last names are very similar. But Paul Feig always wears these like awesome looking suits, very stylish. And Kevin Feige wears bad dad jeans. That's the spectrum of Feig Feig. (laughs) Excellent. We all need to start a brand of jeans
0: that are just called bad dad, I think. Oh. That it's just like the entire thing is it's dad fit jeans. And then you get the big tag on the pocket that says bad dad.
1: I love this. The promo photos can be naughty dads, like that kind of stuff, you know, (laughs) butts out. I'm so sad that audio listeners will not get to see that. (laughs) Like, I'm a bad boy, look. That's what we need. (laughs) And it's a bunch of like, yeah, middle-aged guys.
0: This is the sequel to Dream Daddy. It's just denim. Jeans
1: simulator. (laughs) Jeans simulator.
2: (laughs) What about Ed Hardy, though? Ed Hardy's pretty dad-esque already.
1: It is. I love how it used to be the thing, and now it's old enough that it definitely is no longer the thing.
0: I'm assuming they still exist, but have they, like, rebranded? I hope not. Oh, they have.
1: Nope, maybe. There's an article about it. I mean, it'll come back around to be cool again at some point, right? (laughs) You gotta scroll down,
0: like, a bit to actually get to the website to purchase Ed Hardy clothing,
1: what was the heyday of Ed Hardy? The '90s. I feel like early 2000s was.
2: Yeah, very like Chris Angel, Rock of Love, fucking Brett Michaels, Chris Angel from Poison. Yeah. Yes,
1: Ed Hardy. Yeah, it's all the Tiger stuff, right? It's a lot of Tigers, is that right? Basically,
2: I remember like being like Roses and like Guns and like the most tackiest shit.
1: No, no, you're thinking of Guns and Roses. <laughs> tigers and Guns and Roses.
2: Ed Hardy, please sponsor us.
0: Yeah, I have a couple of segment ideas. Oh, yes. But also just as a state of the union, why is MeUndies not knocking down our door to hawk comfortable pants that are stylish and breathable?
1: Yep. A lot of the classic pod sponsors, MeUndies, Bonobos. Why are we giving them free airtime? I don't know. Stamps.com, of course. Yes. Purple Mattress. That's right. I haven't heard them for a while. Sherry's Berries, you hear a lot. We're used to hear a lot on Mark Marin, which is a <laughs> oh chocolate covered strawberry thing. Hello Fresh, Better Help. Yeah. Now BetterHelp seems like a natural one for us. We talk a lot
0: about mental health. But the segments that I was going to recommend, all right. One of them was uh, I, I like to go online and I like it when people are nice and sweet on the internet. Mm -hmm. And when people are particularly nice and sweet in a way that makes me smile, and I mean this in a very, very specific way. This isn't just somebody pointedly being nice. This is somebody like just giving a really like wholesome comment on a thing of, I think I said this in a mini-sode, but the like, you know what I think of Mugman? I think Mugman is really cool, just like Cuphead. (laughs) That flavor of comment. Yeah. And the ideas that everyone brings in a screenshot of a comment that they saw over the week that fits that bill. And then the segment is called The Wholesome Hole.
1: I love it.
2: I like this. This is cute.
1: The Wholesome Hole. Here, I'm going to search for my favorite video and see if there are nice comments on it. Centipede eats bat. (laughs) Okay, here's a good comment. The video is entitled Giant Bat Eating Centipede. And the comment is... Came here because of film theory. I now need to bleach my eyes. Mm. That's acceptable. (laughs) There's a comment on this video. It says, I swear Brian loves watching people cringe. And then below that, a year ago, is another comment that says, (laughs) three years later, and he just recommended this video again on Leighton Night. So I guess I've (laughs) talked about this before.
0: I literally don't even remember you talking about that on this show.
1: It's my favorite video. Giant bat-eating centipede.
0: I found this one that is not necessarily what I was thinking of for this, but it was one of those comments where I was like, this guy's got it figured out. So this is an Amazon review, five stars. Amazing, especially at this price. And this is for a pair of binoculars. <laughs> Having owned and used binoculars most of my life, both from the decks of small pleasure boats and the pilot houses of large commercial ships, I can tell you that these represent tremendous value. With 10 times magnification, they would not be ideal as your only set of binoculars on a boat, whereas sea motion makes anything stronger than about seven X impractical to hold steadily. But on land at a sporting event or concert, you can really get a close up with these, clear and crisp. They're incredibly compact, easy to use, and for the price, dot, 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 question mark, I may get a couple more pair for my picnic basket, the glove box of my car, whatever. Unless you're equipping them for a nighttime of military operation or something, just get a pair of these. Mm. I just thought it was really nice. Like this man, binoculars. That's great. And why was I looking at reviews for binoculars? Because I sit on my balcony and I've been getting pissy because I see activity happening like further off and I would like to see it crisply and I would like to rear window myself <laughs> on my balcony. <laughs> And be the insane woman sitting on her balcony with a pair of binoculars. And I've also been seriously considering getting one of those like spy, like hearing amplifiers. (laughs) You know, because so many times there are conversations that are happening outside my place that I want to hear so badly. And I feel like it would just solve
1: my problem. Have you ever been to a spy store? There's one in like Encino or Van Nuys or something. I didn't know that was a thing. Look up spy store Van Nuys. I think there's one there.
0: You would think that a store that's for spies would be a little bit more uh,
1: incognito about their storefront. (laughs) Yeah, Spy Shop One. That's the one.
0: Are you looking at their website? Oh, here it is. Adobe Flash Player is no longer supported.
1: Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) This is the zone (laughs) IQ trying.
2: This is terrible.
1: When was the last time this fucker was updated? This is insanity.
0: We're going to do a little inspect element and figure it out
2: the copyright says 2015 so
1: <laughs> under counter surveillance under their products i'm going to read you the list of the three products available under counter surveillance ready <laughs> ipod nano go ipod <laughs> shuffle and ipod touch
0: <laughs> if folks who want to like follow along at home go to iqtronics t-r-o-n-i-c-s dot com this truly you click on spy shop home takes you back to the home page click here to enter store and it, site under maintenance check back
1: soon <laughs> wait oh most of God. their products on their site are about iPods
2: they're so old too and they have this like macbook that is probably predated 2010
0: yeah like the plastic unibody old ones I had one of those <laughs> you click on spy gadgets, and where does it go? There are no products.
1: Yes. <laughs> this is amazing.
0: Lab supplies, there are no products. Optical equipment, there are no products.
1: Well, maybe it's because they can't like legally sell them online or something. Oh, you can also get a case for your iPod?
0: Yeah. Wow. Is this sort of like dark web shit where, like, if you're like, oh, wink wink, I'll take four iPods, please, and then they yeah. just send you arsenic. <laughs> oh my gosh. This says not secure
2: link. What did you send me, Layton? These are like such random prices. $241.64 for an iPod Touch and $66.05 for a shuffle.
1: No sense. It has to be a code.
0: Yeah. And then my other segment idea was additionally also requires prep. And I didn't have a name for it, but it's one that I've thought of that also doesn't really work because we're video episodes. So I'm mm-hmm. three for three. Okay. It's show and tell where each of us brings in an object that we describe that has a story. We describe it very vividly, but we do not ever show the object. We don't post (laughs) it. We don't show it in the video. (laughs) It's like tell and tell, I guess. I love it. Nobody gets to see it. Like us on this call, we cannot show it to each other. Okay. Nobody gets to see it. You just describe an object that you have and if there's a story with
1: it. What if we take that one step further and we don't describe what the object is at all, We just tell the story about it, and then everyone else has to guess what it is. Ooh. So we talk about the emotional side of it, what we went through with it, and then the other people have to try to figure out what we're talking about.
0: Let's give it a shot, because I had an object in mind for this, and I'm going to see if I can do this. Are y'all ready?
1: Yes. So what's the name of this segment? Tell and Tell, or Layton's guess Box? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Both are tempting, Brian. I know. I like guest box. Yeah, so do I.
0: My object, I found it on a trip to visit my mother in New York. We went to this abandoned mental hospital called Kings Park Mental Hospital, Mm -hmm. which is a huge complex that is like super old, super haunted. It's all busted up. All the windows are out. Like you can just go run around in there and it's terrifying. This place is very haunted. And as I was going through there, I found this object on the ground that I felt compelled to pick up and take home with me. It's very special to me. I'm a little concerned right now because I don't know where it went in my apartment. And this is the kind of object where I felt compelled to take it. Mm -hmm. And now I don't know where it is in my home. It might be a little too much to describe that it's clown related. And I found it in the remnants of a craft room because there were like papers everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm telling you about.
1: Uh, I have a guess. Jarek, do you have a guess? Do you want to go first?
2: I feel like you've talked about this object on a previous episode. I don't remember what it is, but the story is reminiscent.
1: Exactly the same. I don't quite remember what it is. My guess is that, is it a doll? A little clown doll?
0: Brian, if I had found a haunted clown doll in an abandoned mental hospital, you would know. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) And also the fact if it had disappeared,
1: I would already be dead, you know? That's why I'm asking, yes. What's your guess, Jared?
2: Why do I think it's like part of like a stained glass like window or something or something glass? Mm.
0: Uh, Because it is. Oh, wow. Fuck. Good memory. That's my guess. Yeah, you're correct.
2: Okay, cool. No, do you tell us or are you not going to tell us?
0: I don't know. I'm changing it based on the fact that I had told this before. It's a piece of stained glass with a clown. And there's just a shard of it. Like, you could probably kill somebody with it. Uh, it has, like, chicken wire through the glass of it. Ooh. Like, so it's reinforced clown glass. Ooh. Yeah. No idea where it went. And it was probably covered in asbestos, so… Because mm. part of me thinks it would be very funny to do this segment and then everybody guesses what the object is, but then we cannot reveal what the object is. (laughs) Like, you don't tell anybody in the call. Or we beep it in the episode.
1: (laughs) Yes. Just to drive people nuts, yes. Yeah. Cool. I'd call that a success. Somebody else do it. So this is something that I brought with me to college. And while I was in college, I lost it. And about a year and a half ago, like right before the pandemic, a guy at my college at Williams contacted me and he said, hey, one of our maintenance workers who's worked here for whatever, let's call it 30 years, found this thing and we traced it by some identifying information back to you. Is this thing yours? And it had enough stuff on it. It wasn't just the room that it was found in. It had some other identifying attributes to it where they could say that it was mine. And I responded back. I said, yes, that is mine. And they shipped it to me. And now I have this thing that I had before I went to college that was returned to me roughly 25 years after I lost it.
0: So you say identifying information. Uh, I don't think this works if the identifying information in the story can only be gained from uh, DNA testing semen.
1: I mean... Given that it's something I own, there is definitely semen on it.
0: You told this story like on one of the early episodes, yes. and I
1: do not remember. Because I got it back right around when we started this. I have it in front of me. I can show you. Do not.
2: It's a stuffed animal?
1: It is not a stuffed animal. But again, that totally tracks with the semen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that would have your semen on it.
1: I mean, but that doesn't narrow it down. That's my point. I mean, that's literally <laughs> everything. Like, if I told you it doesn't have my semen on it, you'd guess it right away. It's like five things.
0: Yeah, and we can see all five of them in this video.
1: Yeah, it's this piano, this piano, (laughs) not this piano. (laughs) Please tell me it's the sign. Please tell me that the sign is free. Look, I'd love to be able to tell you that the sign doesn't have my semen on it, but...
0: (laughs) That's not going to hold up in court, yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, it is my high school class ring. Oh... Which it's gaudy. I'm not allowed to show, but it has a very fake emerald looking thing, greenstone in it. And it has my high school name on it and two identifying high school things. One is my high school mascot, the Cougars, and my class year and some fencing equipment on it because I was a state champion fencer in high school. So
2: Right. You said your high school name was on it. Do you have a different name in high school or something?
1: Like your Christian name? Oh, no, the name of my high school is what I mean.
2: Oh, like your Christian name. <laughs> yeah. What would your Christian name be?
1: I gave it my birth name, Michael Myers, <laughs> which I had to change for obvious reasons because the love guru came out. <laughs>
0: obvious reasons. I think this works because watching you describe the object while it is slightly off camera is infuriating.
1: (laughs) And that's how you know it's good. Great. All right, Jarek, what's your object? I thought I didn't know if you were still formulating.
2: So this object was my grandmother's. And after she died, I took it in my computer backpack from the Philippines. Um, And it's a small brown thing that she used to, you know, keep in contact with people. She couldn't read or write, so I'm not sure who wrote in this thing for her. But my mother says that's not her handwriting. Hmm. This might be an identifying factor, but it has my first home's home phone number on it.
1: Is it an address book?
2: No. Okay. Well, is that what you call it? Is it an address book? That's what I would call it.
0: Yeah, right? Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, because a phone book's like a fat, mass-produced
2: one. She never wrote people's addresses in it, though.
1: And she couldn't read or write?
2: Yes, according to my mom.
1: First of all, that's very interesting just in and of itself that someone your age has a grandmother that could neither read nor write. How unusual do you think that is? It's pretty
2: unusual, but she also like grew up in the rural parts of the Philippines.
1: Right. So is this thing important to you?
2: Yeah, it is. My mom says she didn't write in it, but I remember her, like, being able to at least write numbers. Yeah. Because I remember I had a drawing, and she, like, wrote a fucking fat phone number on my drawing when I was a kid, and I got really (laughs) upset and cried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably a good indication that she can write numbers. Also, in terms of writing numbers, it's a little easier because there's only 10 of them. So, generally speaking, you can remember those. Right. But, I mean, not that there aren't plenty of people that probably can't do it.
2: Yeah.
0: What's the address book, like, bound in? It was like
2: brown leather. I hung it up in my kitchen.
1: Does it smell good?
2: Now it does. But it's like framed in like a shadow box.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. That's awesome. I had like a great uncle, an uncle of my grandparents' age, who, when he died, we also found his like address book. And in it, we found the address and phone number of the White House. (laughs) And we were like, why the fuck did Uncle Fred, was he like trying to call Reagan Or something, you know, why did Uncle Fred, who was not a political guy in any sense. I'm not sure he could have said who was president at any given time. Just a weird, puttery dude.
0: Well, he has the address so he can find out. He can write to the White House at any time and be like, hey, which president is this? And they'll tell him.
1: Yeah, I guess. So That's the funny shit. Isn't that weird? And he, he was such an odd dude. You know what? Maybe he was calling every day just to check in. We wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we do segments? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, Jarek, our first segment, I don't know if you know about this. Our first segment is our pop culture (laughs) recommendation segment, where we all get to talk about a book or a movie or a video game or just some piece of pop culture that we all like. Now... You might not know this, but the segment has a theme song (laughs) that I'm really, really proud of. You know, it doesn't really get out there that much. Uh, I don't like to make a big deal out of it, typically. But occasionally, I will mention it in the run-up to the segment. It's a theme song that, you know, it changes week to week. Every week, it's a little bit different. And sometimes we, you know, develop different aspects of it. It's very subtle audio stuff. So I think you're going to really appreciate it. It's not that the actual instrumentation changes. It's just that the vibe of the mix changes. You know, I usually throw it through some different compressor or something like that every week just to give it a little bit of zhuzh, sonically speaking. So it's something that a trained professional such as yourself would pick up, but probably most other people wouldn't. So I think you're really, really going to like it. And I can tell by the glee that I see emanating from you that it's, you're really, really looking forward to it. It is the theme song to our segment. The segment is called What's Poppin'? And the theme song goes here
0: What's Poppin'?
1: What's Poppin'? That's the What's Poppin' theme as we play every week on the show. (laughs) I heard it. Yeah, of course you heard it. Yeah. We play. Uh, which part of we play it every week on the show was I not clear about? We play it every week on the show. That's the way it goes.
2: I have the ears of a dolphin, so I heard that. Wait, is that good or bad?
1: <laughs> what does that mean?
2: But isn't that good?
1: I would like to think it's good. I would hope. Like they're good at echolocation. They hear things on porpoise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's worse. That's worse than what's popping. <laughs>
1: Nothing but nada um, on that one.
0: <laughs> I was so mad about that one that I ripped my headphone cord out.
2: <laughs> I think there was a listener who made a collection of What's Poppin' bits. Oh, yes. And they uh, made a tally of, like, who won.
1: We probably don't need to see the results because I definitely won. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the funny part is that they made me realize that I cut out, like, the little delay trail. In the end of what's poppin', mm-hmm. so you know how you have that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. At some point, early on, I just like cut it out without knowing. So, what's poppin' theme song has like a hard stop. I haven't even noticed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, because I never hear it. Wait, you never hear it except for when we play it every week for the guests. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought.
0: I feel like we need the updated "What's Poppin'" master reaction list because we've gotten some of my like favorite ones Mm semi-recently. Aaron and Ross are pretty reign and supreme on that front. Ross was a really good one, yeah. Aaron literally just immediately broke down the thesis of this show, and he does it very succinctly, and it's great.
1: Which is that we like to hang out and have fun. Jarek, what's popping? I've got two
2: things. There are two shows that I started re-watching again, Dave and Sex Education. Sex Education Mm -hmm. just re-upped on season three. I think the biggest actress from that is Gillian Anderson. She rules. And then I restarted watching Dave, which is honestly really good.
1: That's what I've heard. In fact, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think one of the writers from that might be on the show sometime soon.
2: Sweet. So Doja Cat was like a guest on Dave. So I started listening to more Doja Cat again. She has this song called Kiss Me More. Mm-hmm. Featuring SZA, and it is such a bop. I highly recommend.
0: Every time I see the name SZA, is that how you say it? Spell it. S Z A.
1: That's how you pronounce that. I guess it makes sense. It's RZA, JZA, and SZA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. The way that I always read it is, you know, that one old Vine where they're in the grocery store and the woman sees the fake rat and does like a. Mm-hmm. That's what I think of every time I read it. And I just assumed that that was how you pronounce it.
2: Yeah. Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong.
0: I have to go get a napkin because during one of my laughing fits, I've got saliva all over my hands and I need to... That's like me with semen. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you.
2: She's cool. I like her.
0: Oh, Doja Cat?
2: Doja Cat. I only like three songs by her, so...
0: I like say so. It's a bob.
2: Yeah, there is this woman on YouTube who like plays the bass cover of say so. Mm-hmm. Shreddiest thing ever. She's an amazing <laughs> bass player. Never mind, wrong song. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of Dua Lipa. Julia plays groove.
1: Oh yeah, she's so good. Oh yeah, I've seen her. She's incredible.
2: I got Dua Lipa and Doja Cat mixed up.
1: Okay, look. I was going to say I do that all the time, but then I was like, no, that's something an old person would say. And I didn't say it, but I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one. And by the way, I can't see Dua Lipa without parsing it as dual IPA. And I keep waiting for someone to brew a dual IPA and have it be the name of like a Dua Lipa song with the letters shifted around.
0: And then Patty Harrison can make um, a really good ad (laughs) campaign for it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Layton, what's poppin'?
0: I have two related poppins. The main poppin' is a book called Voices from Chernobyl, An Oral History of a Nuclear Disaster,
1: mm.
0: which is compiled by Svetlana Aleksevich. And it's what the Chernobyl Craig Mason show is based on. So most of the things that happen in that show are directly from accounts from this book. But it's basically like this woman just went around and interviewed a ton of different people who were there and it's all of them telling it in their own words and it is just like so harrowing and like the prose is like really moving and beautiful. They just have like all these different people and they're all so like eloquent. It's devastating, but it's a fascinating read, especially if you liked the show or are interested in Chernobyl. And then one of the accounts mentions this short story. I think it's just called Lazarus and it's by, I'm going to butcher it, Leonid Andreev, who's like a big Russian lit playwright dude. He also wrote He Who Gets Slapped, which is a great play, which slaps. <laughs> but anyway, the Lazarus, he wrote it in like 1906. And it's just like a little short story parable about Lazarus. And it's like incredible cosmic horror. So if you have a couple of minutes and you want to read something good, check that out. And then if you just want to feel really, really terrible about the world, Voices from
1: Chernobyl. I didn't watch the show precisely because I didn't want to feel awful even though I heard it was pretty great. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, cool.
0: And Brian.
1: Yes. What?
0: Nothing.
2: Should we move on to our next segment?
1: (laughs) Jarek, that's a great idea. What's popping for me (laughs) is... uh, (laughs) It's an old album I was into at the time. Haven't listened to it for a while. Came back to it this week for whatever fucking reason. And it is uh, Channel Orange by Frank Ocean
0: from Mm. 2012.
1: And this album, holy shit, it's just incredible. Everything about it is great, honestly. Production's interesting. His singing is fantastic. So the the big single that I always loved is Thinking About You from that, which feels like the best Prince song Prince never wrote. It's very similar kind of vibe-wise to what I think is my favorite Prince song, which is The Ballad of Dorothy Parker from Side of the Times. And it's kind of sparse instrumentally. And he switches between a falsetto and his normal, I guess probably as a tenor singing voice. I just love it so much. I find it so affecting and emotional and just an incredible album start to finish. So the kind of thing that coming back to it after a few years off, so much of the vibe just came right back. And I can't recommend it highly enough. And there's like... 8-bit stuff on there, and there's kind of older school sounded stuff. It's all over the map stylistically, but it totally works as a coherent piece. It's hugely popular, so this is not a deep cut, but it is an album that I think is, if you haven't heard it in a while, it's worth checking out again. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah, Pink Matter and Pyramids were always my faves.
1: Pyramids is great. The little the synth line that goes up in Pyramids, I just I love. Yeah. Great stuff.
0: Great All right, time for our final segment, Peaches and Lemons. A three-part gratitude exercise, one-part petty grousing, and theme song goes here. What's poppin'?
1: What's poppin'? Why did that slow down? I thought that was part of the bit. (laughs) It is not. You could have just rolled with it. That's amazing. Why did it do that? Hold on.
0: What's poppin'?
1: What's poppin'? That was weird. I love it, though. You might have to play it
0: again to make sure that it...
1: What's poppin'? What's poppin'?
2: Like it sped up and then slowed down.
1: Yeah, that was weird. All right. What's the name of this segment, Layden? It's called Peaches and Lemons. What's poppin'? What's poppin'?
0: This episode feels like a real endurance test <laughs> of what listeners are willing to take from the
1: show. Good.
0: I will go first with my lemon, which is that the other night I got a burrito bowl. You know, I get my chips, I get my burrito bowl. It's like middle of the night. I go to reheat my thing so I can do a little midnight dipping. Mm-hmm. And I reheat my burrito bowl and I get... You know, a nice big chip load, and I put it in my mouth, and the force of the chip drove insanely hot burrito bowl mush directly into the roof of my mouth. But because the chip was, like, perfectly sized to the roof of my mouth, that it, like, spackled on, and I couldn't get it off as it was, like, actively burning. Oh, Oh, Leighton. And so I finally got it off and that was like three days ago and the roof of my mouth still feels like shit. Like in the next day, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to eat my Jersey Mike sandwich and chips. And then I cannot think of a worse combination of things to eat when you've burned the fuck out of the roof of your mouth. (laughs) So I'm still dealing with this intense hardship and I ask for thoughts and prayers during this trying time.
2: (laughs) Cool. Do you ever get that when you like eat Hot Pockets or pizza rolls? So the burn on the top of your mouth. Oh, yeah.
0: I'm too overly cautious with that kind of thing now, where I'll let them get too cold and just go with it because at least there's not the uncertainty.
1: Well, similar question. (laughs) Has either of you ever successfully microwaved a burrito? Because (laughs) every time I try to take a frozen burrito and microwave it, it is either still partially frozen or molten or usually both. One time I tried to cook one. I remember this very clearly. This is an amazing story, by the way. So let me play my amazing story alert.
0: <laughs> What's poppin'?
1: What's poppin'?
0: I can't wait to see the stats for this episode of when people click off.
1: I think that'll be the end because it's so compelling. But here's this story that's so amazing. I got sick of trying to microwave it, burrito. So I put one, a frozen burrito, in the conventional oven, which takes an hour And so I waited an hour to eat this thing that I could have microwaved in two minutes. And then I took it out and it was still frozen, basically halfway through. The conventional oven did not work literally at all. It was worse than the microwave. And it took me an hour fucking longer to make it.
0: It Hey, so so scientist, I eat a lot of frozen meals. And every time I'm like, you know, I could wait. I could put it in the oven. It'll probably taste better, but it's like an hour. I can put it in the microwave for two minutes and it's fine. Yep. What's the science?
1: Why? Why do you have so many frozen meals? Because you're a young, single person. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> I mean, that's just science. Why so fast in microwave? Why so slow in oven? So a microwave is it's electromagnetic radiation that causes the water molecules and stuff to vibrate. It basically hits it at resonant frequency or thereabouts of water, causing the water to vibrate and heat everything up, and it penetrates into the food. So with the oven, the heat has to soak all the way. The microwave kind of makes everything heat up at once, roughly speaking. Got it. Okay. And that's why your microwave has a little grid in front of it so that you can see the food, but it's got like little tiny holes in it that are like maybe a couple millimeters. They are big enough that you can see through, but they're smaller than the wavelength of the radiation. If I remember correctly, microwaves are about, I think the wavelength is about a centimeter, So those holes are small enough that the waves can't penetrate the grid.
0: Wow, so that's why I'm single.
1: I guess, you know what, that's true. Correlation does not imply causation. So that could have gone the other way around. And it's not that you have a lot of frozen meals because you're single. You're single because you have a lot of frozen meals. That's true, that could go either way.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would say that my relationship with Amy of frozen food fame, Mm -hmm. pretty monogamous. Going steady. Mm-hmm. Nice. That country cheddar and vegetable, man.
1: <laughs> Jerk, you got a lemon.
2: So, why is it that when fucking you try to post a collage on Instagram, you know, like three or more pictures? I tried doing this with Satchel's episode this morning. It won't resize all them like the way you want them oh, to. That's the so fucking worst. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you look at the cat photo that I posted on Instagram today, it's like more zoomed in. Because I had to zoom out for your guys' picture with Satchel. Yeah. The most fucking infuriating shit. How big of a company is Instagram? And can't you just put more money in to like figure out
1: how to fucking fix that? It's Facebook, right? Yeah. Like they should be able to fix that. Yeah. You
0: know what I especially hate about the Instagram app is that, you know, a lot of people have iPads, a lot of people have Instagram.
1: Yes. Why is it this size? (laughs) It is the dumbest bullshit.
0: (laughs) And then, oh, oh, I I want it to be full size. Oh, wait a second. Did they fix this a little bit? They might have fixed this a little bit. Now, when you go full screen, it's like kind of,
1: kind of, maybe. It's still stupid. It's still bad. And why, why, why does Instagram text not have clickable links? Why? It is so stupid. I don't understand the reason for it. In
2: DMs, it does. I feel like I can click out. It's my DM, but not in like the comments.
1: In DMs, for sure, but not in the descriptions of photos, right?
2: No, not in the description of photos. It's pretty silly.
1: Yeah, the cropping is just stupid. Oh,
2: so infuriating. Good job, Instagram. Fucking Zuckerberg. <laughs> Got him. Hey.
1: Brian, did you say a lemon? My lemon is this. So yesterday, I drank a bunch of water during the day. And slightly more than I usually do. And I didn't pee really much at all until the night when I was asleep and my body was like, hey, you want that water back? And I got up to pee four times in the middle of the night. This is for water I drank at like 2 p.m. And for whatever reason, my fucking body just held on to it for like 12 hours and then decided, like, the time to release it into my bladder was in the middle of the night. And it doesn't happen to me often, or I would be used to it. But I was like, what is different about my biochemistry today, or whatever the fuck is going on with me, that I'm just held on to a bunch of water, who knows where, maybe my stomach, I don't know, like, wherever water hangs out, probably the intestines somewhere, and then released it into the bladder in the middle of the night when I had... Many, many hours to get rid of it. I am one of those people. I don't sleep well. And so I won't drink water within a couple hours of going to bed for precisely this fucking reason, because I don't want to get up and pee. And who knew that 12 hours was the window last night for whatever reason? Really mad about it. And on the way to the bathroom, I knocked into a Hot Wheels track that Audrey had built and caused Rachel to wake up in a state of alarm because she heard this thing crash. (laughs) (laughs) this is why you don't have kids (laughs) (laughs) well wonderful yeah
0: all right peach time each of us do three i will do my three because i frantically wrote them down right before we got in here my first peach i've always been a very introverted person i think i can fake being an extrovert like pretty decently uh as evidenced by having this podcast Mm -hmm. but I've started talking to strangers more and like not being afraid of strangers. And I've just had like friendly, lovely interactions with random people. That's awesome. That's new for me because normally I'd be like, everyone is here to kill me and I'm going to die. And if I talk to them, they're going to hate me forever.
1: And it's just, you just talk to people. So just like out in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big coffee shop frequenter at various places. So. Which coffee
1: shops and what time are you there?
0: Yes, yes, precisely. On that note, the thing that I was going to say in response to you was that as a woman, talking to strangers historically has been a thing that it's like, A, anxious, but B, generally a no-go because a lot of the times you talk to a man being friendly and then they're like, oh, you want to fuck? Right. Which no, I do not ever know. But I've had like a series of interactions that did not turn into people hitting on me, which is like, New and great. Great. (laughs) So that's my first peach. My second peach is that I received a package in the mail today that was unexpected. That was, and because we have a video episode, I can actually show you the object. I was notified that I received a package from Lush. Mm -hmm. I did not order anything from Lush. And what did I get?
1: (laughs) What is that? Oh, it's a Scream soap?
0: It's a ghost face, quote unquote, bubble bar. So you take a bath and you dip it in the bath and then you blow out of the mouth and it makes bubbles. Wow. This was sent to me by dear friend Allie. So thank you, Allie, for this surprise ghost face gift. So cool. Near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. And then my last peach is that lately I have designed a bunch of merch items for this show that I'm doing with other people who have been on this show and who will be on this show. Mm-hmm. called The Witching Hour, which is going to be in person this year, October 27th the Regent Theater. Not just online, because last year due to pandemic, et cetera, it was just online. And now it's going to be a real actual show that I'm excited about. But I designed four merch items, and I'm waiting on like seeing them be printed. But this morning, I got a picture of one of the Merch items, which is an item that I've never designed before, and it is very cool and satisfying to see these things come out, as well as some late-night merchandise Hell that yeah. should be coming in the mail. Lit. So we'll have a sample of a thing, and then eventually you'll be able to purchase the thing that that is a sample of. Awesome. So basically, that peach is just, I like making merch items because you draw a thing and then it's a real object.
1: Hell yeah. Cool.
0: Those are my peaches. Someone
1: else. Jarek, you want to go?
2: Sure. My first peach is I can now enjoy running. (laughs) I like running now. I would take a lap around the Silver Lake (laughs) Reservoir and I can do it Uh within 20 to 30 minutes now. Oh,
1: nice. That's great.
2: I do it like every other day. I fucking used to hate running a lot.
1: Why? Just boring?
2: Boring. I clearly remember one time I ran and I was like, this is why I hate running and this is why I haven't (laughs) ran in over like three years. But Mm -hmm. I decided this is a great... Thing to do for my body, and it's helped me progress better in tennis. I mean, I feel great. I can do it in twenty to thirty minutes, which I'm really proud of.
1: How far is it? Wow,
2: it's like two point two miles.
1: That's fucking awesome.
2: Yeah. The second one is I've got two projects that I'm getting paid my full rate for, which is very nice. One of them by way of Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we'll see the light of day at some point.
1: Yes, possibly later this year, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. And I think the great thing is that, like, I didn't feel like I had to feel like I'm negotiating. I was just like, hey, this is what it is. And these two projects were like,
1: cool. Sounds good. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Uh, which, as a freelancer, is very hard. And then my last peach is I think last time I was on the podcast, I said a bunch of projects are coming out, and 85% of them have come out. One being I mixed Matt Watson's song, Board. Yeah. So that came out. Wow. Yeah, and then the Shang-Chi movie came out. And then I put another like orchestral remix out of my friend's song, Dozing Off. And then this is going to come out after the film festival is done, but I have two films. One, a documentary that I scored with Joel P. West, who scored Shang-Chi. We scored a documentary called The Bitter Root, which is screening at Holly Shorts at the Chinese Theater this Sunday, which will have passed already by the time this is up.
0: Wait, what's the documentary about?
2: Yeah, so The Bitter Root is about this guy, David, who he was taken from his family by the LRA, which is called the Lord's Resistance Army. Do you remember like Coney 2012? Yes. That's what the LRA was, and the Lord's Resistance Army. They would take children from their family to go like fight on their behalf or force them to fight. And so this is about David's story and how he like escaped the LRA and how he had to like redoctrinate himself into his life. And now he's like finding people who were displaced by the Lord's Resistance Army and he's reconnecting them with their families way down the line. Nice. Like you watch a documentary and these people are like in their like 30s to 40s and he's like bringing them back to their families. Wow. Who they haven't really? seen in like wow. however long. Um, so that's a documentary that I composed alongside Joel P. West. And then another short film that I have a song in called Rendezvous. And these two premiere at Holly Shorts.
1: That's awesome. Awesome.
0: So
2: those are my peaches.
1: Cool. Congrats, dude. Thanks. My peaches. Peach number one, after fucking, I don't even know how many, 10 plus years of using Logic, I finally discovered a key shortcut I never knew existed (laughs) for turning off the (laughs) metronome. And it makes it so much easier.
2: It's just K, right?
1: Wait, in Logic, it's K turns off the metronome? I thought it was K. Is it really?
2: What did you think, though?
1: Oh, man, I'm going to feel even dumber. It's a thing where I don't have to click through the menus. It's just one little drop down that I can click on the metronome icon. Now, the icon that's clearly a metronome, I thought was an A for a long time because it's like one of those triangle metronomes. Makes sense. And it turns out it's a metronome thing. Literally before recording today, I was like, wait a minute, is that a metronome? Makes life a lot better. And also, it makes me feel like a... Complete doofus, because yeah,
0: whatever. You think of the years, it's the same way with like Photoshop shortcuts too, where it's just like, how did I not know how this? How did I not know about
1: for it for years? Yeah,
2: but I'm pretty sure it's K.
1: I always get confused with that and the what the key note entry, which I think is Command K. But what? Yes, you're the master of this stuff, Jerk, So I completely <laughs> trust you. Second peach, because uh, I'm going away for a couple weeks in October for various things. This weekend, I got a hotel room and Audrey and I are going to have a fancy hotel night. We're going to stay in a hotel room we got a good deal on and maybe order some room service and go to the pool and just have a fun little dad-daughter night at a hotel. I mean, it's like a hotel here in town, so it's not that far, but I just figured it would be a fun little thing for us to do together. That's nice. Yep. So I'm I'm excited. Anytime we get little dad-daughter trips, I love it. So we're doing that. And Final Peach, we announced the new NSP album yesterday, Level Up, where Twerp played a bunch of old NSP songs, but we rearranged them for Twerp. Jericho were there for all of the recording of this, except Danny's vocals, because he did those on his own. It's great. I'm so excited for this album. People seem very excited about the idea. We've never done anything like it before. It's an original album, but they're older songs. Thought people would be psyched about it, and you know, you never know. And they were. So I'm excited to see it out there. It'll come out next month sometime. And the videos we're making for it are very fun. So... Ooh. Yeah. It's wild. I think people are really going to like it. I don't want to spoil anything about it, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. This is what happens when I don't look at timelines where I just miss major things happening for my friends.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's also one of those things, like so many projects... You've been working on it forever, and we recorded this album a year ago, or at least the tour parts of it, and, you know, it's just been in development for a long time, and at some point, like, mentally, you're done with it six months before the thing comes out. So, you know, these tracks were done a while ago. It just takes a while to get everything in order and sign the CDs and all that stuff. So it's nice to, like, have it almost out there into the world. Yeah. Wonderful. Fuck yeah. Yep, those are my peaches. Great. That's nine whole peaches. We did it.
0: And that's the episode. Jarek, thank you so much for joining us both in front of and behind the
1: microphone. Yep. And the reason we wanted to have you on, you're fired. (laughs) 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 Can you imagine? (laughs)
0: That'd be so fucking mean. Like and this will be your very last episode.
1: Yes. It's the it's the breakup sex of podcasts. We record a whole episode and at the end that's it.
0: Jesus Christ, I wish that we could title this one the breakup sex of podcasts. <laughs>
1: No, dude, thank you for being here. These are honestly my favorite episodes where we just get to hang out and, yeah. you know, it's so low pressure because we all know each other so well that it's pure fun. Yeah. Start to finish. So thank you for taking the time.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: And also for everything you do for the show oh. on top of being here today. Yes, which is a lot. Which is a lot.
2: Oh, thanks. No problem at all.
1: How did the ants get over here? What the fuck? Hard cut right there. Cut off the podcast right there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <My>. <laughs> anyway uh, hey folks don't get ants on you, Jarek I was gonna ask you if you wanted to plug anything <laughs> or like where people can see the stuff that you talked about real quick though that's our
1: new catchphrase is don't get ants on ya this is Leighton Gray saying don't get ants on you.
2: follow me on Instagram I've been posting about everything um, that's been coming out so you can see my timeline
0: and what's your at it's just my first
2: and last name Jerick Centeno.
1: Yep. Centeno spelled C E N T N O for those of you who aren't sure. J E R I K C E N T N O. Get it right. Get it right or don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody at home, hope you're doing well. Don't get ants on you. God damn it.
0: I was going to be like at the end, and as we always say, and then I was going to get all three of us at the same time to go, don't get ants on you. Well, no, we
1: can still do it. It'll just be worse now, so let's do it. But
0: no, 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 fuck you. It's the end of the episode. All the other stuff. Come ants, whatever. Bye. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Night, or email us at Night at gmail.com.